0: You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of The Beltway Briefing. It is November 14th, and my colleague Mark Alderman is on the IR list. He's on injured reserve back in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, but I'm fortunate to be joined today by our colleague, relatively new colleague, Michael Bain. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Howard. I'm excited to be on. Michael spent 10 years on the staff of the Senate Appropriations Committee, and today we're gonna focus on the appropriations process, which is another term for the spending process. A lot of folks are focused right now, Michael, on Uh, the prospect for an appropriations bill and whether they'll shut down the government if they're not able to to get their act together and and so that's what we're going to explore today Uh, Michael joined us earlier this year and has a wealth of knowledge on the appropriations process so I'm going to have some fun putting him on the spot this uh this afternoon so Michael we always start the Beltway briefing as you know with a little bit of fact or fiction. So I'm going to toss out a few things for us to discuss. All right. That sounds good. Michael, fact or fiction? President Trump will shut down the government because
0: of what's going on with respect to impeachment. Howard, I want to say fiction, but with a condition. Um, So the current news is that yesterday, um, House appropriations, Chairwoman Nita Lowy and Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby met for 30 minutes, and they agreed on extending the current continuing resolution uh, till December 20th. Um, The president's reaction remains kind of a wild card, uh, but Shelby and Trump went to the Alabama LSU game on Saturday, and while reports are they didn't get into a lot of detail, um, it seems like the talk went well. Um, So with that agreement to extend the CR into December 20th, um, even if the Senate takes up an impeachment trial, um, it should be completed by that date. And I think the CR would be able to bridge that gap and avoid the impeachment issue, Um, although maybe not all the political fallout afterwards. My caveat is this. If the Senate trial approaches the 20th deadline and if it looks like red state Dems and threatened purple state uh, R's, Uh, might provide numbers approaching a conviction and i think all bets are off and he might follow what's become this familiar pattern of interjecting a bit of chaos to shift attention and try to cast blame on the dems so look i think the chances of that are are slim
1: slim to none Um, but i think it's possible I, i think it's unlikely because i think he's a loser if he You know and politically if he shuts down the government Um, but if we've learned anything in three years it's that he's unpredictable and um, actually we kind of knew that more than three years ago but um, he's unpredictable and he's reading the tea leaves and if he wants to shift attention uh, if the news cycle is such he can shut down the government and um, shift attention, at least temporarily, away from impeachment. So um, time will tell. Factor fiction number two, Michael, Congress will eventually pass an FY 2020 spending bill. So we're already in fiscal year 2020. Congress, that began October 1st. Congress has passed what's called a continuing resolution, which enables the government to remain open. Um, we're under the first continuing resolution, um, but but what's the chance at the end of the day that Congress passes a 2020 spending bill as opposed to a series of continu- continuing resolutions and eventually a full year continuing
0: resolution? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with fact on this. And I think uh, as in past years, there's will among leadership in both parties of the House and the Senate. Uh, to take the appropriations process off the table of issues that everyone's dealing with and to avoid another round of brinksmanship. Um, it's why there's been so much talk the past couple of years about returning to regular order. Um, but what, is, what does regular order mean? So, regular order, the appropriations process works on an annual cycle. And it begins um, after the State of the Union address with the release of the president's uh, budget request. And Congress takes up that budget request and they hold a series of oversight hearings. And then they proceed with drafting the 12 annual spending bills. Um, By late spring, they generally mark those bills up. And over the summer, we'll move them to the floor. And the goal, under regular order would be to pass those bills to fund the government and government programs prior to the end of the fiscal year at the end of September. Uh, That's been a really hard thing to achieve. Um, Generally, I think for, for much of, you know, the past couple decades, they've moved to continuing resolutions, which is a stopgap measure to keep the government operating um, for at least a month or several months while they work out uh, the final, negotiations on those bills and get them passed uh, late fall and over uh, the winter heading into Christmas. Um, So that's been the goal of of the committee leadership and of the House and Senate leadership. Um, But when you say, "Will they pass a 2020 spending bill, the the challenge there is I think they may pass an omnibus bill of several less controversial bills. Um, So there's certain bills like the Homeland Security bill, um, which can, contains uh, potential Trump border wall funding and the labor HHS bill, which funds uh, health care and education programs um, where money was taken from that uh, in the Senate to fund the wall. Bills like that are going to continue to prove challenges. And I think that it's going to be very hard to move them uh, with a Democratic House and a Republican controlled Senate. Um, But I think there's some other places where you have less controversial bills um, that might be able to move forward uh, under a compromise agreement, Um, and then the other ones could go to a CR. Okay. Well, we'll drill down a little bit more on that later. Uh, Fact or fiction,
1: question number three, or point number three, Michael, you and I have been around this town for a long time, me longer than you, but nothing happens in Washington
0: in an election year.
1: Fact or fiction?
0: I'm going to say fact, Um, and it's not terribly original thinking, but I think as presidential and congressional races heat up, the focus will shift to the campaigns and the willingness to compromise, especially between a politically divided House and Senate, uh, will will disappear. Um, Senate Dems are eyeing potentially retaking the Senate, and I think they'll conclude that even if they don't, they could still gain seats and will still hold the house and they have the potential to retake the white house. So I think, you know, controlling, being able to control uh, the legislative process with the house and the powers of the Senate minority, I don't see compelling reasons for them to compromise and negotiate bills that contain tough policy issues, especially with the prospect of winning in November.
1: Now I hear you, I guess. So you're going to answer this question from, a legislative staffer's perspective. And I'm going to answer the question from an executive branch perspective. I mean, it it is certainly conventional wisdom that not a lot happens in Washington in an election year, but I, I see this upcoming year being different. I mean, Trump is, is very vulnerable, um, depending upon who the nominee is on the other side, uh, People are going to get very nervous. And, and frankly, it, it doesn't even matter at this point who the nominee is. People out there are nervous about um, what it means to potentially have a Warren administration. I mean, it would be, you know, an enormous change from what we have now. It'd be an enormous change from what we had under Obama. I mean, a Warren administration or another progressive candidate would be just... Um, extraordinarily shocking, be a shock to the system. And I think many people we talk to are going to try to, they're going to try to cement what they see as gains they've made in the Trump administration. And, and there's plenty that can happen on the executive branch side. Look, uh, Obama and the Obama administration, they jammed a ton in at the 11th hour and 59th minute, a ton. And I'd expect this administration to do the same. You know, of course, you're right in the sense that other than a spending bill, major legislation is unlikely to pass, but other bills will pass. Things will happen this year and a ton will get done in the Trump administration in the waning days if if that's where we find ourselves.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree on the, on the nomination front in areas where Senate Republicans can, can push through nominees and continue to to stack the, the judiciary. Um, but I, I just have a hard time seeing Democrats willing to, to make the compromises that they're currently facing with the appropriations bills um, over border wall funding and, and transfer authority and cutting uh, non-defense domestic programs as a result. Um, or giving the president a win with something like a major infrastructure package heading into the election. Yeah, no that isn't going to happen. Um but
1: but lots of other stuff can and will, I believe, and I think this is I think it's going to be an unusual <laughs> it's definitely going to be an unusual election year by definition because Trump is on the ballot which is in many ways a total eclipse of everything else, but it's just gonna be it's gonna be a busy year. Um, okay, so with fact or fiction, the extraordinarily exciting open segment of the Beltway Briefing, Michael behind us, let's get into um, let's get into more about how the appropriations process works, where it is, um, uh, you know, what a typical cycle, spending cycle. Looks like, you know, you lived in this every day for a decade. The vast majority of folks don't ever see how the sausage gets made. So talk to us, talk to us about how the proverbial sausage gets
0: made. <laughs> so it's, it's very much the, the budget process is very much in inside the beltway process. Um, and I'll try to avoid uh, some of the nomenclature uh, to to I'll, keep it relatable. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bother you when you throw out your uh, Hill acronyms. Okay. Um, so I think maybe it's helpful to kind of start with a state of play of where we are now. You know, we, we mentioned that we're in a CR uh, through uh, continuing resolution. a continuing resolution through the 21st to keep the government funded. Um, absent the passage of federal spending legislation, Um, or another continuing resolution, the federal government will shut down um, after the current CR expires. Um, To date, the House has only passed 10 of 12 bills, and the Senate has only passed four, um, the AG, CJS, Interior, and Transportation funding bills. And we're at a point now where Senator McConnell said he won't bring more Senate bills to the floor until there's an agreement on uh, the FY20 bills in totality. And so what does that mean? Um, Right now, a lot of the negotiations are over what's called 302B allocations. And um, when you look at a budget agreement, um, each committee, the Appropriations Committee receives a top line amount of money that it can spend. And then there are 12 subcommittees that are each tasked with funding different federal agencies and programs. And there's a secondary allocation that the committee makes where they determine how much each of those subcommittees has to spend. And that's called a 302B allocation. And right now, because the House and the Senate, as they were drafting their bills, wrote their bills to different numbers, um, there's a lot of disagreement over where they, they put a conferenceable top line uh, for those subcommittees to write to.
1: So in other words, the House went too soon, and thought they had more money
0: than they actually have. Exactly. And now, now the question is as they try to work out a compromise, um, to avoid between the house and, and the, the Senate, Senate, how much pie does each subcommittee get? Okay. E, e and
1: by subcommittee, of course, you mean the, the various subcommittees of the various appropriations committees. Exactly. And they meet and they conference
0: each of their bills. Kind of one by one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the committees are looking at how to divide up about $632 billion in non-defense domestic spending. And um, once that is determined, the House and Senate subcommittees will have targets that they can write a conference agreement to so they can proceed with their negotiations and understand where they want to be when they make uh, compromises and trade-offs in that negotiation. But until they have a number, it's very difficult for them to tackle some of the more challenging issues like border wall funding.
1: So so while if you read the headlines in the New York Times and the Washington Post, folks are talking about whether the government's going to shut down because President Trump is going to try to create a a diversion from impeachment and You know why do we need continuing resolutions? But but the you know it's it's in very much the devil's in the details. You know they haven't even figured out how much money they have to spend. They're not going to shut the government down over that over that. But but the point is they can't get to a a a spending agreement because they haven't even figured out how much money they have to spend, which is why we're current constantly on the on the brink here.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know the. Fundamental issues about the border wall are at stake here with, with uh, Senate Republicans uh, including um, money for that in the Homeland Security Bill, the Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, um, and taking money from domestic healthcare and education programs. Um, And that is a real challenge when you're trying to reach a compromise with the House Democrats. The, White House has signaled they may be willing to accept less than $5 billion, which they requested from the Homeland Security bill. Um, but the Republicans are going to push for Democrats to back away from efforts to restrict uh, what's called transfer authority, to transfer funds from the Defense Department to fund that, that wall. Um, and I think there's a real lack of trust among some of the Democrats about where the White House will end up coming down on this. Um, it's difficult to to negotiate in good faith, I mean, look, back on okay, there you know there's there's issue by issue
1: brinksmanship too, and that and that's certainly an issue. I guess I ultimately see Trump backing down here. he um first of all, he's talking about something that he said another country would pay for. So you know, we're so far beyond the position he ran on in twenty sixteen. Even more importantly, he got roasted last time he um shut down the government and he boxed himself into a bad situation and and um had to really kind of work his way out of it he was he allowed himself to be pinned into a quarter. I don't see that happening again um I don't see him putting himself in that position again. We'll see what happens but um one
0: man's view anyway. I actually heard uh, Bill Clinton called into CNN today um, on his way to D.C. Uh, saying that he thinks the Trump administration should be able to to still legislate even during an impeachment. Um, but uh, it's a different president in a different time. So I'm not sure if, if that holds true for this administration. Um, uh, relations were never great with Congress uh, in the best of times. So uh, I'm not I'm not confident that that President Clinton's analysis is right there
1: when you say that wasn't the case in the best of times do you mean with Congress as a whole do you mean with the Democrats what do you mean
0: yeah I think we haven't seen a lot of uh, legislative activity coming from the Congress uh, the past few years um, with the exception of the you know the the tax cut um, and on the appropriations front, it's been a challenge uh, really from day one. Um, so when you throw in the variable of an impeachment and all the political upheaval and partisan uh, rancor and, and outrage that that entails on both sides, it just seems really difficult to to envision people sitting down and working together.
1: Although well, I I will say, like, Appropri- appropriation spending is the one place where I mean yes he shut down the government they shut the government was shut down um but they have reached bipartisan agreement on a spending bill and a spending bill isn't we're going to allocate 200 million dollars to the Department of the Interior a spending bill is a is is another piece of legislation there, is rules on on the Hill that you're not supposed to legislate through an appropriations bill, but of course, Congress legislates through appropriations bills. So it's, it's another piece of legislation they have. You know, Trump has sat down with Chuck and Nancy from time to time, as he said, and he's cut deals on big bipartisan spending bills. So I think it is the one area where, um, You can say there, I would argue there has been some, some
0: bipartisanship
1: historically.
0: Yeah. And the, the famous quote, I I think from John McCain is that they're Democrats, Republicans and appropriators. And there's a time when the committee comes together, uh, and and more so now, uh, that's been moved to, to leadership's uh, purview, but, um, you know, there, there's an understanding that there's a need to, to move forward. On these bills. And I think along those lines, even this afternoon, um, there was some news coming out uh, from negotiations between Speaker Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, Nita Lowey, and Shelby um, meeting to discuss a deal on the spending bills. Um, It says that, you know, they think they're making forward progress, um, but there's still no indication uh whether something will be announced so
1: so while we're on it so this notion of um legislation through appropriations i guess um, you know going back a decade or two um, people used to talk about earmarks and appropriations bills and those were this allocation of funding through an appropriations bill to specific projects around the country. Is that a good definition of an earmark?
0: Yeah, I think so, Um, but at at Congress's determination. At Congress's determination,
1: not leaving it up to the executive branch to figure out how and where to spend money. It was direct funding from Congress to particular projects. Mm -hmm. And Congress took that pull away from themselves and stopped earmarking funds for projects and I, like i always said when i was in government on some level as just as a citizen earmarks were always you know you had the bridge to nowhere and these projects that got a lot of attention and they were offensive on some level um, And obviously politically they were offensive because Congress gave away the power to earmark or they didn't give away the power, but they don't exercise the power anymore. Neither party has, um, you know, I don't know how long it's been now, but at least a decade. Yeah. Yeah. At least since at least seven years, I think. Yeah. But they do still legislate through appropriations. They still direct money to particular programs. They still make laws through appropriations bills, right?
0: Yeah. And there, there's, there is a lot of inherent power in the ability of Congress to choose priorities in terms of spending, um, to shape how that spending is carried out uh, through legislative language. And to give softer guidance uh, through the committee reports that accompany uh, these bills. And, and that includes uh, directive language and encouraging language um, that because of the annual nature of the appropriation cycle, um, the executive branch is more likely to carry out. Um, certainly uh, situationally dependent, but Um, There's always a risk that if if they don't, and they buck the will of the committees, then the following year um, they'll take um, different action in the actual legislative text. I mean, I can tell you as somebody who sat in a
1: couple of different executive branch agencies, you know, whether something was in report language, which is another way of saying the legislative history that accompanies. A, a bill or the bill text itself, whether it was soft or 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 more firm, you know, we always took it seriously, and it was often things like study this and study that by X and such date, and report back to the committee and what you know whatever it was, but we always took it very seriously, um, you know, as if it were a requirement and. And acted accordingly so the power is is significant
0: it is but they really did give something up when when they let earmarks go and it's really interesting because if if you're around town in DC and you're talking to members um, um, there really is a sense of loss about no longer having earmarks because it is kind of a fundamental power under the Constitution for Congress to, to determine how money is spent. Um, and since they gave up earmarks, while they did give up some bad projects, they also gave up a lot of control over uh, meeting the needs of their states and and their districts and their constituents that aren't always addressed um, or rise to the top of the, the federal bureaucracy's uh, priorities. And I think that that pain is felt and the pain of no longer being able to encourage members to vote for bills um, by including earmarks is also felt. And I think that has led to challenges uh, with the process. Listen, absolutely. It's a huge, it may be
1: abhorrent on some level, but it's a huge part of why the system always worked. It's the grease that, Gets members to cast votes, and the fact that they um, that they took that away, it, it took away their power to 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 get things done, to get legislation through the process. And I think really, I think it disempowered Congress. It, it I, as I said, I was never a fan of them when you saw them, but it really. It gave took power away from Congress and gave it to the executive branch. And as a former executive branch guy, I would have been happy to have that power. But it, it
0: fundamentally means
1: it's harder for Congress to get things done.
0: Yeah. And um, it puts Congress in a position where they have to consider the president's budget request and approve or disapprove line items rather than uh, writing the bills as as they see fit, and then having the president make the determination of whether he'll sign it or not. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, how how does the process of pulling an appropriations bill together work? You've drafted them. You've been in those rooms. How does it how
0: does it all come together? So, it's a good question because it differs throughout the year. Um, the process is different depending on where you are in the budget cycle. And that means I think that, you know, the influences on on the committees differs throughout that cycle. Um, Early on, there is a focus on understanding what the executive branch is asking for and uh, holding them to account to justify uh, their budget request and their, their programmatic requests um and then you move through hearings where you have the opportunity to really in a public setting um ask questions uh to the leadership of those agencies and then you get into more uh of the bill writing mode where you're looking at what you have to spend and determining what the political uh impetus is for different programs and where the chairman and ranking members are and and, and trying to draft a bill that will pass muster both for your bosses and then later uh, through markup and on the floor. Good, good. So where do
1: you see everything going this year? <laughs> I know that's a not an easy question to answer, but make a prediction. What's going to happen?
0: <laughs> I think my prediction is that we're going to see an extension of – the continuing resolution, um, past December 20th, um, because it seems like even if they came up with a compromise agreement, you know, in the next few days, the committees have a a logistical challenge of conferencing bills, uh, with different starting points and that takes time. And then they have to pass those bills through both bodies and, um, them to the president for signature. So I think my guess would be there's gonna be another extension and that will bring us into presidential primary season for the Dems. And I think things get more and more difficult um, the further that further that time horizon gets pushed out. So my guess would be that there'll be uh, an omnibus appropriations package with some of the less controversial bills. And the more controversial bills, um, will end up going to a year-long continuing resolution.
1: Hmm. Okay, okay.
0: Well, something to keep our eye on. Thanks for joining
1: me today to talk talk all things of and look forward to continuing the conversation as the process moves along. And uh, thank you so much. Thanks so much,
0: Howard. All right. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.